You're listening to episode 289 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we reach the end of our look at not only the third season of the Netflix science fiction series, Travelers, but it certainly seems as if the end of the series itself. The whole thing. So, yeah, still haven't heard any word about... You know, another network possibly picking it up, but yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. There's plenty of other material out there for us to look at. I've been diving deep into the Ministry of Time. I, I finished the first season last night, so it's it's really getting pretty good. And I don't know how the show Timeless talked its way out of a lawsuit, but <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, maybe that's why they couldn't go anymore. They just like <clears throat> they they feared the impending lawsuit. Uh, I don't know, but uh, anyway, well, listen, as I was saying to you before we started recording, we got so much to talk about. We're going to forego news. We're going to forego tip of the week this time and just really dive deeply into the final episode of Travelers. And I wish I could say I totally understand what's going on here, <laughs> but that would be a lie. Right. Um, this is like the fourth time I've seen this episode. And um, I was sure this time I would be uh, granted universal consciousness and understanding. But uh, alas, there are still some things about this episode that uh, escape me. So I thought, I figured maybe we could uh, we could talk it out here, hash it out, see uh, see if we can come up with some uh, some answers. Okay, I see what you did there. Granted. Oh yeah, yeah, right totally did that on purpose yeah <laughs> All right, i just want to apologize about- if i sound a little weirder than normal like i i got a little bit of a head cold going i think so like down my basement wrapped up like one of the stark kids so uh yeah as we await snowmageddon one uh, i think of this season we really haven't had anything more than two or three inches yeah and we're, we're waiting on three to six now or i don't know if they've upped the total at all but you guys are already off school tomorrow so yeah. good for you right very good. All right. Well, anyway, we're here to talk about episode 10 of season three, Protocol Omega, written by Heath Affolter. His first script, although he has been the script coordinator for season three of Travelers, and Brad Wright, who is, of course, the creator and has written a number of uh, episodes directed by Amanda Tapping, how fitting that is. And, and this is her ninth episode directing Travelers. Uh, ordinarily, we divide the episode up into its individual components and while we've got that in our notes i don't know about you but every time i i I start talking about something it leads somewhere else so this may end up just being a free-for-all so yeah that's that's good okay ted nugent likes that (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Now, one of the things we've talked about throughout the series, when are they from? And we do get a little bit more of a concrete answer to that. 431 years in the future, which by my calculations puts us at the year 2449, 2450, mid-25th century. Wow, I wonder if they know so, Buck Rogers. Uh, well, hey... <laughs> Uh, Even more important, Facebook. How hey, about you guys, Wilma Deering. They could I don't know may that. send her back. Who's, who's Wilma Deering? Dude, I don't know what. Don't, Why do did, I know? Did that? you watch Buck Rogers when it was on in the eighties or seventies? I, I guess actually. 
with Gil Gerard and, and Aaron I Gray. I wife. I was, as, as, I was going out. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm using your answer. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess you were a, a little bit older then. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Aaron Gray was played Wilma Deering, who was the Buck Rogers kind of female counterpart, and she was very attractive by my kid in the seventies memory. So, well, I do know Aaron Gray, and I, I do recognize the images of her from that series. And as far as I know, she's still on the con circuit. Uh, and and still has a huge following, which is is cool Dude, for Buck a, a Rogers was an influential TV show. Man, do not hate on Buck Rogers. Well, I'm not. I just I've never seen it. So wow, I know. Anyway, all right. Um, obviously, zero zero one claims, or so it would seem, has taken over in the future. But you know, as I was preparing for this podcast and you know you said you've seen the episode four times i've seen it three uh, i've done a fair amount of reading uh, reviews criticisms whatever and the one thing that strikes me is everybody feels they know this is what happened this is what it means and i'm thinking like how do you know that right i mean obviously one of the things we have to consider do we have multiple timelines? Is, is this perhaps a multiverse situation? I don't think so. Do we have multiple timelines? Well, yeah, but in what sense? I mean, it's not multiple timelines like in uh, Counterpart, for instance, which are kind of running counter to each other. Right. Oh, and the same thing in Continuum where we have like branching off of timelines. I'm not sure because – there's actually this time around as I'm watching it, I started thinking about that because he mentioned how he says, you know, the the director is done with this timeline. I'm like, does that mean that there's like, like in continuum, there's branches of timelines? And like, you know, or is it just the one timeline that they just kind of keep redoing until they get it right, you know? Well, then we come back to the episode, what was it, 17 minutes with the, uh, Right. Parach- yeah, yeah. Parachuters. And, right. And, and they just keep going. I mean, is that what the director is doing? Was this version one? And is the timeline we just spent three seasons watching, has that just been erased? And the only individual that survives is Grant McLaren because he went back to. I forget what year it is. I know we knew it was. Uh, I guess it was 2001. Yeah. A few weeks before. Uh, yeah. He had to, he went back. Well, no, he goes back to 2008, right? Isn't that no, when he, he met Cat? When... No, right. I mean, right, I, no, I'm sorry. Uh, when did he meet Cat? I feel like there's an eight in there. So, not, it's definitely not 2008, obviously. Was it 98, maybe? Because you know, that's like he knew like that date. It might have been two. You know, I, I obviously the information is right there in the episode. I can't believe I didn't write it down, but but yeah. Well, but that's not important, right? Well, he, he, I mean, it, he definitely is, goes back to before September eleventh, two thousand and one. Right, right. Um, the other thing that strikes me, well, among a lot of things, what gives the twenty fifth century the right to come back and I'm making air quotes fix things? Well, I mean. If we learn anything, it's that the director is not infallible. And sure. 
even if we acknowledge that 001 is the catalyst that leads to version one failure, I mean, that doesn't mean something else doesn't take his place. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to even sh- mention the show that I'm referring to, but it's a time travel show. And the guy goes back to try to save his wife who gets killed when she's hit by a car. And OK, he prevents her from getting hit by the car that hit her originally but she ends up getting hit by another car and that the whole idea of the timeline self-correcting star trek i'm not no is that a star trek episode yeah the one like from the the original yeah the nazi germany one oh oh uh joan collins was in that right joan collins right oh okay but but yeah so so here uh, you know, that's certainly something that occurs to me, but but that whole idea of what gives you the right to come back and play God, so to speak. Right. And, and just to play devil's advocate, the people in the 25th century would be saying, well, what gave you the right to F up the earth so that it's uninhabitable for us? Thanks a lot, a-holes. Well, that's true. Yeah. And, and and granted, uh, see, I did it again there. Granted. Nice. Uh, we keep that doing we that. Understand. See how many times we can do it. <laughs> the tipping drink again. Point. Every time we say a drink. <laughs> the tipping point is recognized as the 21st century, at which point global warming couldn't be reversed, although I don't know how you can necessarily say that, but I'm not a scientist. So, um, but now, I mean, the other like, thing, like, I mean, you know, note to the 25th century. If you really want to nip this in the bud, you probably got to go a little bit further back. Like probably all this use of plastics and everything like, I mean, we're talking at least mid 20th century, if not early 20th century. You know, like, I mean, granted, yeah, we're not doing the spectacular job now, but at least we think about these things. But whereas in like the 60s and 70s, like there was no thought at all to you know, recycling or, or very little thought to it. Um, so, you know, don't hang your little guilt hat on us, 25th century. You know, look to our parents, actually. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones who are the, well, at fault. <laughs> okay. Now, um, in, in my notes, and it, gosh, it wasn't that far down in my notes, it, it looks like McLaren sent himself back four weeks before. 9-11 so okay assuming some you know the, the summer of 2001 uh, mid-august i guess but obviously this just the time to hear the new, new weezer album yeah this creates a new timeline and presumably the director now knows that consciousness transfer works because mclaren sends him the email from the computer that the director was expecting the email to come from and though we don't see him leave the building, we see him look at his watch several times, and it appears he has roughly 10 minutes to get out of the building right. if we go from the historical record that the tower was hit at, I think it was like 1044 or something like that. We don't see well, him I get out. Eight but, something. Uh, that's what I meant, eight, eight, 840 something. But there's no reason to think McLaren wouldn't leave the building. Why should he die? He's not like zero zero one his mission wasn't to essentially die in in that explosion so even though we don't see him leave the building 
McLaren has left the building, we would assume. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing that's, yeah, I guess, less confusing, I think we can make some reasonable arguments for Philip seeing all these different timelines. And, and then we go back to, uh, are these just possibilities? I, I mean, I guess so. I mean, he sees Marcy on the couch when he wants to put a blanket on her and she's not there, right. which was a, f- a fairly cool scene yeah, with the blanket just like was. Yeah, that was cool. Well, he sees Marcy and David getting pregnant. He sees Kat and Mac with a baby. So he's definitely seeing possibilities, which then might also, you know, you might suppose that the idea of the you know, branching of timelines is maybe a thing. The multiverse theory. Right. And, you know, we've talked about Philip navigating these different timelines. And and certainly in this episode, it it appears as if he sees one of the ballistic missiles flying through the air. I guess that's what that is. At first, I thought it was was Helios because I forgot about the ballistic missiles. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it's definitely one of the missiles for sure. Right, so he sees that, but but then you know, like you say, he sees all of these really positive images of what could have been, what were in what another is? timeline. And we get to the end of the episode and the bus scene with Marcy and David. Is this something that will happen in version two in a new timeline? Well, I, I'm I'm thinking the Marcy and David at the end is that's like basically McLaren hit a kind of big reset button, right? Yeah, and, sure. And so now, you know, because if you think about all the things that happened because of 001, one of which was, you know, Marcy's faculties being taken away from her. Well, if right. 001 doesn't come back, then that doesn't happen. Um, I'm thinking she's not even a traveler at the end. There, it's just well because she doesn't die, right? She's not. If 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 zero zero one doesn't you know take away her mind, then she's not in that place where she was attacked, which means she doesn't die, which means the traveler never enters her like at all. Right, right. This is a complete reset, and and this is one of the the points that I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around I, I i pretty much accept the fact that what we just watched the timeline with the travelers that's been erased yes and the only person that truly survives that timeline is grant mclaren yeah everybody else is completely new and as you say they're they're not travelers and what will they be travelers in the future if travelers are in fact needed look i mean you know if everything is fixed so to speak if the future apocalypse or you know whatever ecological disaster is averted then what need does the future have of the director well i don't think that happened though i think what happened was that zero zero one didn't happen so all the things and ultimately 
you know, taking over the minds of everyone, all the leaders on Earth, and taking over the director and things like. Well, actually, I don't think he did that, did he? Well, I guess somehow but my make point it is, to the future. Whatever. I mean, 001's nefarious plan to, you know, make it into the future and take over the director, whatever. Um, you know, none of that happens. He's 001 is just a guy cooling his heels in the future now. Um, but, you know. Or not. Well, well, you, I mean, I agree that that zero zero one never happens, but you know, uh, I, I think th- everything we just saw it, it it doesn't happen. I mean, th- right? You know, does Jeff Conacher have a relationship with Carly Shannon? Well, he probably and kills is her. It in a, is, is it or maybe not? Maybe Tra- they never meet. I mean, well, oh yeah, uh, well, well, possibly, but you know, did McLaren change everything? that much like you know like did zero zero one affect you know carly and trevor and philip's lives i'm thinking no and we know he affected marcy's but the other three not so much so either and we assume that the future still is screwed because again i don't think mclaren changed that really even though like i guess the people of the 21st you know, they're trying to lay it on the travelers saying, you know, you caused this to happen. But I think the travelers are right that, you know, the, the eco- ecological, you know, breakdown that ultimately led to the collapse of civilization, that's not something the travelers said. That's something that we're doing right. We know we're doing it. Like, they're, they're absolutely right in that we know we're messing up the earth and, like, we could really care less. Right? Now, are you talking about what Joe says to Mac at the end? You know, when she says that you didn't stop the collapse of civilization, right. if anything, you sped it up. Yeah. See, I don't agree with that. You know, I, well, I mean, I, I agree with it at the time, but I think the ultimate collapse of civilization is kind of a done deal. Unless I don't think anything Mac did stopped it. I think the future, as he knew it, is still the future. Um, he just prevented 001 from you know, enacting his nefarious plan. Okay. And and I guess that's reasonable to think that way because again, I go back, if the director still exists in version two, which we see has been activated at the end of the episode, then there's a reason why the director's running another scenario because it needs to, because things are dire in the future and they're living underground right. buried in you know feet of exactly ice. right so if, if mac had had solved it then there would be no need for the version two that we see beginning at, at the end of the uh, the episode right so it gives the director a chance to you know run another uh scenario and, and this time without zero zero one mucking things up right that said y- you wonder whether there will be something else and uh, you'd like to think it's not going to be Grant McLaren, but um, but a- anyway, l- let's talk a little bit about zero zero one because obviously he's a focal point of this episode, and, and that he's using Jeff's body as a host, and and we know where the conversation is is headed, and, and I think certainly you know we've talked about dramatic irony, and and when Jeff is asking Trevor about his aphasia, we know 
that, oh, that's going to apply to you, dude. You yeah. might not know it yet, but... Well, he knows. I mean, that's, no. I think, again, his plan is obviously to keep, you know, shifting his consciousness until he can get to the future and take down a director in the future. Well, right, um, but now he's learned that if he continues to body jump, he's likely not going to make it to the future. So he's got to come up with a plan B. And, you know, he, we see him staring at Marcy. And, and, you know, we know, especially when you do a rewatch and a lot of these glances suddenly become so much more meaningful. Yeah, definitely. So, and there's like one uh, time when someone says something like, well, oh, they're like, you know, we got to find through. Oh, it's when uh mclaren is is talking to the doctor i can't remember the name and um you know he's like well we're still have a mission to find zero zero one and she's like well he could be anyone and like literally right as she says that jeff walks by as right right, that's pretty cool yeah now yeah just to bring up philip for a second because he obviously plays a little bit of a role because he sees a possible outcome for Marcy and he runs to her apartment. And that was, I guess probably the only comical scene, if you will, as he's dodging people running there and, right. and, and you know, it's just like, like stopping for no reason and then moving around <laughs> exactly. things that aren't there. Right. But he gets there and, and we understand what he thinks he sees is a situation where Marcy kills herself in the bathroom and he sees the gun there uh, of course that's not what happens but as an alternate scenario i mean she is pretty distraught now i guess we could argue that she's been trained for this kind of a mission that that she had to know that everything wouldn't go according to plan but of course she didn't anticipate falling in love with david and th- for all we know, this is the first time she's experienced any kind of a relationship like that. So given everything that's going on, I, I guess we could argue that is a possibility. I mean, Well, she has the gun right by the bathtub, which is kind of mixing suicide you know, uh, motifs there, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when he walks out of the bathroom, she looks back and sees the gun. And it seems to me that kind of indicates that she was totally thinking about doing that right even though she assures him she wouldn't do that right and you and you wonder as she's saying that is it necessary for her to convince herself that she wouldn't do that because at that point she doesn't anticipate jeff's going to come knocking on her door with tea bags and end up back at the uh uh, facility where Elsa is stored, but he does, and right away, I mean, look, we're immediately suspicious. We know why he's there, and then you know he starts talking about her reset, about the director taking his wife by messenger, which obviously we know that goes back to Vincent Ingram, but she figures out pretty quickly that. Uh, you know, this is zero zero one. He wants Ellis's backdoor code to the director, and well, because he just here, rolls in and just like starts monologuing like he's a freaking Bond villain. You know, 
Like he like literally reveals his whole evil plan and then lets her walk over to the boiling hot water. You know? Now at first, I thought, and heck, even the third time I watched it, I thought, you know, he shouldn't be quite so spry after having boiling water thrown on his exactly. face. Now, when we see him later, his face did take a beating. But here's my problem with that scene. This is 001. 001 was sent merely as proof of concept. Right. He was expected to die. Why would he have had combat training? Is that something he picked well, up along the way? Yeah, right. yeah. The because, faction take him through a crash course. I, um, I mean, I know he's, I know he's a man, and he's physically stronger than Marcy. But Marcy's been trained. My my first response would be like, if I were one of the writers of the show, I would say, well, they train all the travelers like that. So even if, though, I guess Grace isn't really trained for combat, is she? Well, we've never seen it. So, and she's certainly been in enough situations. Of course, she wasn't meant to be a traveler, though, either, was she? Um, that's probably true. And, and uh, <sighs> right, because doesn't she like send herself back? She does. Right, 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 right. You know, so yeah, I mean, absolutely, there would have been no need to train 001 in any kind of, but unless he's. That's just like they have like a basic training for all travelers, and then he got selected after that, which is you know, likely right. seems likely that happened. Right. But we'll let that slide. And, and you know, you, you're mentioning Grace, and but well, I, you know, but I'm sorry, just really quickly, yeah. I I totally agree with you that in, in no way, shape, or form, because that kettle was whistling, that water is boiling and hot as hell. The, I mean, we're talking third-degree burns. We're talking potentially deadly, like, burns that he would have gotten from having that thrown in his face. No way is he bouncing back from that and taking on Marcy in combat. That's just not a thing. Yeah. No, I I agree, but uh, we'll, let, we'll let that go. All right. Grace admits to telling 001 everything about the code and as i'm sitting there watching it i'm thinking like all right do we now have enough evidence that 0027 is fill in the blank with your pejorative of choice because (laughs) this has been such an unpleasant character all along and while she's had her moments okay i okay fine you weren't trained to withstand interrogation i thought the director would come in and swoop in and save the day it's no ah just that just really bothered me at, at that point and on the one hand marcy's decision to prevent 001 from having ellis's backdoor code was as heroic as what david did maybe even more so because of the uh, you know just just i mean what it entails right well she makes the choice david didn't really make the choice to do he didn't you're right well he did like mac said do it and he did it so it's not like he consciously did that knowing he was going to die whereas marcy you know 
chooses to to kill herself. Right. And and again, we could go back to the fact that she was trained to do that and David wasn't. And, and if you recall, Philip tells David, bravest thing I ever saw, man. And or it might have been Trevor, but it doesn't matter. But but yeah, and and then that scene where we don't see her body, but we see Jeff's reflection in the pool of blood that's flowing from the wound yeah. and like, oh my gosh. And yeah, well we see it later. We do see it later. And I, yeah. I, I really am torn as to whether we needed to see it. I'm okay that we saw it. I, I don't think there's necessarily a reason not to other than to just almost preserve a, a certain level of dignity for what it is she did. But Right. And the the thing we picture in our head is going to be way more intense than what the the image that's actually presented to us. Right. You know? Right. It's like all the you know, in Greek tragedy, the deaths taking place off stage, you know, just the the audience has to kind of picture it themselves, uh, which is probably gonna be ten times more gory, violent, bloody than you know, if you actually saw the thing. Yeah, and what they show that first time is I think every bit as horrific as as seeing her actually lying there when we see the blood just pooling away from the body and and Jeff's reflection in it and then his reaction that, okay, we'll have to go to plan B. It's going to take a little longer, Grace, but it just, it, it barely phases him. And, you know, Trevor arrives at the lab, finds Jeff's body in the transfer chair. And again, of course, we know, or we think we know at that point, what has happened but where is zero zero one well he's in the internet and and that's kind of what we're left at until we get the reset right oh crap he's everywhere he's on millions of computers worldwide and hard drives and flash well i guess now he's not so right you know well yeah i mean it's the thing he Oh, and honestly, if he could have done that, why didn't he do that before, you know? Well, that's a good point. I mean, I guess he he needed to gain access to McLaren's team, and I'm not sure whether he knew about Ilsa or not. I mean, until... But when did he learn about her, though? Well, I I don't know. I mean, I guess after he... See, actually, now we're... I didn't even think about this, but yeah, how the hell did he figure out about Ilsa? Yeah, because that's certainly not common knowledge. Even Tesla yeah. keeps a lot of what's going on from his. No one told him about it. No one took. They didn't even take Jeff there. Right. 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 Like but, like Jeff before he became zero zero one. So, and at this point, McLaren thinks that zero zero one one and Philip now sees only one timeline. He says the only one left, and I believe it's Philip's suggestion that they need to send someone back and yeah what a great yeah, philip's like yeah there's he's like yeah there's something we can do because like grant is totally like ah well he beat us damn it all you know but but yeah philip's one like wait hold on right but how perfect that mclaren is able to provide the tell not only for when he meets up uh, Catherine for the first time but also to change history 
walk away. I, I, I love that line. She says, I'm not sure whether you're, you're flirting with me or, or you know, trying to convince me to give him another chance. And yeah. obviously in the timeline we just watched, uh, he was flirting. And while he's probably yeah. still flirting because he's still well, in love with her. You saw what she looked like, Oh, man. my God. He walked away from that? Are you kidding me? Oh. Ah. Man, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a hero. Man, you're not kidding. <laughs> Better man than I. Yeah. But he does walk away. And, and, you know, how much does that affect the timeline in this new version? Well, I, I, I guess we're never going to know. But well, I, I, again, like, I think something like that is, you know, I, I am not the butterfly effect. I don't subscribe to that. That one little thing can cause great changes. I think, you know, like great things cause great changes and you know like him never getting with cat i think the universe can probably you know work its way around that right um T- take out but, einstein uh, and oppenheimer and you know right maybe things change but yes yeah. right but trevor does have a brief objection and i'm thinking like dude really now you object to taking a life that wasn't meant to be taken you know come on i mean yes that's that's true i i I get it but still yeah but the world's kind of ending here dude you know right so so we got protocol omega and i think with dollhouse didn't we have the alpha and the omega and you know obviously the end here but it goes back to that opening scene of the episode, and, and I know, well, fortunately, I, I alerted everybody at the beginning of the podcast. We're going to be all over the place tonight. Yeah, but, but that opening because we have been. Yes, that opening scene, nobody speaks the, the first two minutes, and, and then we go into the opening credit scene. David's dead body lies covered. Marcy's at his side, and, and the team is eating, and Philip just gets up takes her plate sets it down nearby doesn't say a word doesn't even look at her just walks back and nothing is said and it's like the solemnity of that scene it, it is yeah, just so like, powerful why are they eating well they have They're to still live well i, I know they have to but like they can wait i don't i don't know it just seems weird that they're like yeah let's all right well shit he's dead well, I guess we should have dinner. Well, you know, and again, maybe this is the English teacher in me. And, and obviously, th- there's an air of finality here. Obviously, David's dead. The, the timeline is dead. The director is, is dead. You know, I mean, the missions are over. Niedermeyer, dead. Werber, dead. Is this almost the Last Supper, so to speak? You know, the last time they're going to eat together and you know given that to be all like the same side of the table for that well i understand uh and and on the one hand to go really out on a limb you know mclaren is is the one that's going to sacrifice himself so to speak i mean on the other hand he's not really sacrificing himself he's yeah giving himself a second life but but sure regardless he could even technically get with cat a little bit later yeah but but here's what i don't understand though he wants to keep making up missions 
if nothing else, to find zero zero one. Well, okay, but all of a sudden, it's like everything is just falling apart. And I understand, but and I can't remember who it is that says it now. I, I think it might have even been Carly. It's like no, it's over. Go yeah. live your life. Well, and ironically, Carly says, well, you know, like, at least you have a wife to go back to. And, and maybe that's the crux of why he won't give up because, no, he doesn't, right? Like, he's – Kat and him are, are dunsies. Yeah. So maybe the fact that he's like, you know, what, the party's not done. No, we got we got more music. We got more beer. No, don't leave. Don't leave. Well, you know, it's the fact that uh, he doesn't have anything to go back to and he wants everyone to keep going. Well, and that's the other fascinating thing. When you look around ops and you see, you know, more cots and, and it's almost as if everybody's kind of moved in there. But in terms of being done, I was certainly waiting for this scene. And, and we talked last week about uh, how Mackenzie Porter was nominated for the Canadian film and television award and certainly this scene speaks to why that david was the kind of man who made humanity worth saving and on the one hand i get that it sounds a little trite yeah and the director did nothing to save him so i'm done and i was just so glad to hear her say that because of this blind devotion to this machine all this time and yeah and and you could argue and and they do that well david's death was part of the grand plan well you know what screw the grand plan because yeah for everything well, we've been we cut know, off now at this point you know right well still at this point you know they're still in version one obviously but they right, do but I'm saying, know, like once once the director dumped you know, uh, protocol Omega, right? Then they're they're done. Like the right. director's done with them, right? And why should we have allegiance to the director anyway? Because everything he's asked us to do has been ineffectual in the future. And if you know the the word we get from these most recent travelers is it might even be worse. I don't know. You know, we get that scene with Marcy and Mac where they're talking about whether or not they made the right decision, joining the Traveler program. And, and, and again, that was a pretty revealing scene. And on the one hand, he says, well, what kind of life was it? You know, living under a dome. And, and she talks about the fact that her mother was still able to see the good in things. And I, I'm thinking like, well, you know what? That is pretty admirable. And I'm then going to the, the standpoint that, well, yeah, but you're living in a dome. It's, I mean, I guess you have no choice, but I don't know. Uh, it, it gets back to the question, why wouldn't you join the Traveler program? Right. Well, but, you know, like Carly has, a, you know, I thought a decent point here is that like maybe, you know, like basically we can't, if we can't change the future, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it sucked. But at least we were still alive. We were still humans. We still had the ability to love and to, you know, appreciate being alive. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then we get that scene when everything 
seems to be uh, at at the end again and and uh Yates tells McLaren that she's going to go outside and look at the sky as if she anticipates you know this is it for you know wherever they are Vancouver or um that the if nothing else the nuclear missiles that are headed in are going to just create a nuclear winter or something that that she realizes she may only have minutes to go but you know the director clearly has failed with version one and arguably has made things worse the fbi is understandably in a bad spot internationally and I guess I was a little surprised that McLaren couldn't see that. And I understand he's not a politician, but he's high enough up in the food chain that he should know how things work. Sure. Well, I I think McLaren does a pretty good job of, I mean, he's, he's well on his way to kind of smoothing things over when 001, you know, takes care or sorry, takes care takes over you know everyone well oh yeah you mean like the the presidents and yeah you know he's like speaking chinese and russian like you know you know like one than the other and everything he's like looks like he's kind of making things cool because you're right so i mean you would think this already would have led to a nuclear war you know well, and, and that's in fact what happens because it was, ironically, it was part of the military protocols worldwide that if A occurs, then the response is going to be B. And no matter what he was able to tell them, okay, yeah, I misunderstood where, what, what you were saying there. Yeah. And he things are going reasonably well or so it appears and then max starts saying oh yeah we'll give you the technology and then stevens just cuts the transmission now's not the time to start negotiating on yeah. technology from the future and, and of course that's understandable it goes back to what we said last week that the reason they didn't reveal themselves to all the world leaders everybody would try to grab that technology for themselves so sure but but stevens uh, I mean, what did you think about his reactions to everything in this episode? I, I, I'm kind of torn because I I get the bind that he's in. But well, you know, we're seeing it through our perspective as being obviously very sympathetic to McLaren and the Traveler, you know, uh, group. But I, you know, I mean, I I completely saw Stephen's point of view. I was like, you know, like. Uh, okay, that is completely rational, and I would understand why you would um, see the travelers as a tremendous threat. You know, well, well yeah, but and, his un- his unwillingness to trust McLaren, even though Yates is essentially vouching for them. I mean, we get when he says, "Look, we stopped the nuke from exploding," and he's like, "Well, yeah, but." What do you think the Chinese and the Russians are going to say? Oh, you right. stopped it on your. But just the fact that that he refuses to trust him at all. I I, I kind of got it. I think I, okay. I I don't. I think in the same situation, I would probably be like. I, I think he gave him actually a lot of leeway, um, for the the situation as it was. 
you know, like, honestly, like, why should he trust Greg? Why should he trust Yates? Yates could have been taken over by a traveler on her drive over there. Well, I think he even yeah. accused her of that. Is, is like, right. But, well, well, let me just back up for a second. It's something we've mentioned several times here. I, I mean, do we agree that 001 is the one responsible for overwriting all of these world leaders. Yes. And if that's the case, how does he do it? I mean, is it just the power of Ilsa? Because he's not yeah. really in Ilsa anymore, but he's he, out on the internet. Right. So somehow he is, he, this is where it gets really kind of a little sketchy because yeah, what did he do? How did he do it? It, it just seems like he sent himself self through ilsa somehow very quickly setting up his consciousness transfer machine there as well and using ilsa to send himself out to everywhere i guess so he is so zero zero one is actually in all of these world leaders is that yes okay that's yes so when we see stevens in the elevator getting overwritten right Zero zero one is now in his body zero, zero, as well, one. and of course that's right. why he turns and fires at McLaren and, and it's, uh, it's like that Doctor Who episode with the Master, you know the one where he like makes himself everybody. Oh yes. Oh oh yeah. Oh that was uh, John Sim, right? Yeah. Yeah yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it was a great one. Yeah. Of course. So good. Uh, right. <laughs> they were back then. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, that that was my take on it, at least that he somehow managed to put his consciousness out there into tons and tons of people, and now he's basically everyone and everywhere, and this is how he makes it to the future, where then he can take down the director. But does that happen, or as they, as as the, our our team? Um, you know, wonders as they're about to send McLaren back, was the director just basically guiding us to this point where Mac has to go back 20 years, give or take, uh, in order to prevent 001 from ever coming back in the first place? Right. And I think we can agree that he was able to do that so we agree that inversion two zero zero one is not a problem he's not there whether he exists in the future or not we don't even know the director still exists with version two but mac is the lone traveler at this point whether the director will send travelers we don't know. We assume so. It just like in, in 17 minutes where they just keep doing the parachute jump right. over and over again until they get it right. And I guess that's what's going to happen here. It's just that at this point, McLaren's the only one with the knowledge. And, we, and we've talked the last couple of weeks. If, they're, if we're lucky enough to get a season four, what's it going to look like? Are we going to have the same cast of characters? And on the one hand... For continuity's sake, you, you like to think, yes, we will, but if if the director's sending consciousnesses into people that were going to historically die, well, 
you know, Marcy's not intellectually challenged anymore. She's not going to go out of the right. library and get mugged. Or is she? Well, probably I mean, not, though, because she won't be working there, right? And well, so we're out of the hospital. Well, true, but, I mean, again, it goes back to my example earlier about the guy trying to save his wife from getting hit by a car and right. he prevents her from getting hit by that car. But Right. Well, and then, you know, these because the others, Carly's death and Trevor's death and Philip's death, you know, were not affect. They, you know, those weren't any kind of result of zero zero one. So we assume Phil's, Philip's still a junkie who's going to overdose. Trevor is still a well, he's like a MMA fighter who dies because of his wounds in a fight. Uh, Carly probably still is with Jeff, and he's going to come home and kill her. You know, so if the original version of events, so maybe Carly, Trevor, and Philip could potentially still, you know, get travelered. Okay. You know. Yeah. But Marcy, because she was the one affected by 001, and now that there's no 001, she's fine. And so she's not in the library. She doesn't get killed. So now she gets to continue on and meet David and live her life without ever having a traveler in her body at all. Well, that's true. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a lot to consider for sure. And, and, you know, when we get to the end of the episode and we realize that there is going to be a second attempt, and, and I, I guess you could argue, well, how do you know this was the first attempt that we just went through? Well, it says version one on the screen, so we'll right. assume it was the first. And, and we're back at the cliff, and, you know, we talked about the, the scene where Mac first meets Catherine. But then we get to September 11th, 2001, and at first I didn't notice, and, and I'm sure you, you know, maybe you noticed on your first watch, it took me on the second watch, that when he walks by and he hands that envelope with Helios written on it, right. that's the, that's the woman physicist. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yep. Right. So it's an envelope. Who knows what he's written on the inside, but clearly it's, it's enough that's going to get her to take care of Helios. Right. So given that as McLaren tells uh, Yates and Stevens that their main mission was to prevent Helios. And after that, we just waited around for further instruction. So he's taken care of Helios. Is that enough? Is that all? Well, gosh, I mean, well, it didn't seem like things really changed much after they solved Helios the first time. So, well, well, yeah. right, because of so many other issues, as as we've mentioned, you know, albeit briefly, whether, whether global warming, climate change, whatever, uh, just you know, man made problems. In addition to environmental things, we just look with how many nuclear weapons are there across the world. I mean, eventually, when has mankind ever invented a weapon and not used it? So right. Um, but the Mac is in the tower and he's sent the email and he looks outside the window and, and, and again, I, I, I can't help but wonder whether he's looking for the plane. Right. Or 
is he just looking? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I said earlier uh, we don't see him leave the I mean, tower, I get but... a feeling he's looking for the plane. If it were me, I would be like, ah, I wonder if I could see the planes, you know. Maybe even play a little game of chicken. How long can I wait before I well, – start running down the stairwell again or something like that. Well, well, the other thing I wonder, and not that he's looking out the window to see this, but looking out the window just to kill time, do you think maybe he's hanging around just to make sure 001 doesn't show up? Yeah, you know, I think that that definitely that could be it. Honestly, my original thought was is he's not going to leave. That he's like, I'm ending this travel program once and for all. Like I'm going to stick around here, uh, like like zero zero one was supposed to, right? You know. Okay. Well, I I know what you're saying, but I guess the proof of concept isn't needed at this point. So he already understands that the director is fallible. He was ready to start doing missions on his own. I I just don't see any reason why he would stay. I mean, I get why he maybe doesn't run through the floor telling everybody to evacuate, evacuate, because they're going to think he's a nut at that point. But yeah, but I I, I, I mean, also, again, devil's advocate here. I'm thinking like if if that were me, I might do that. Just say, get the hell out of serious or like pull the fire alarm or something. Well, well, that's a good point. Yeah, to get people out of there, because even if five people go you know but then again the butterfly effectors will say well then you're changing you know reality you'll change the whole world like you know uh, i don't know about that probably just you know a bunch of people will go home to their families that night who wouldn't have otherwise so right so all right well we get to the final scene and I, i think arguably it's one of the scenes that i i don't want to say has caused a lot of arguments on the internet but i've read a lot of things that have been all over the place some people hate the scene some people love the scene i tend to be on the more positive end of the spectrum uh you know marcy walks to the back sits next to david we we understand that right away we we know this is a new timeline we know things have been reset even though we haven't seen it on the screen yet we 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 just know that we we've seen enough of this type of show to know and the conversation that they have, because as you mentioned a few minutes ago, this is not the Marcy that was impacted by zero zero one. Right. This is a Marcy that, you know, is meeting a guy that clearly, you know, there's, there's an immediate attraction right between the two of them. Yes, absolutely. And, And then, and when they find out that professionally, they're on the same wavelength. Well, my gosh, they find each other physically attractive. They're on the same same wavelength professionally. They're probably going to cross paths in their professional lives because, as he said, he sends a lot of his clients to the hospital at which he's going to be working. My name's David. And then we're done. And right. look, look, first time through... All right, is this reality or is this the afterlife? Is this <laughs> right? right. Is, it, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. I, I think the, uh, the first time I saw it, I was just so confused as to what the heck just happened. Like, 
I, I, I didn't even I don't even think the first time through I had any idea what to make of this at all. Well, I, I, I know what you're saying, but I guess, I guess I felt like because of everything that we've had and, and really I couldn't get 17 minutes out of my head uh, when we get to the end here that, you know, sending Mac back because, you know, we already know he's done that. So um, I really like the ending. I mean, where they would go with a season four, I have no idea. You know, we don't well, know. Let's address that then, Dave. Well, 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 well first right of all, I'd though, like to say that I also I like the ending, though. I, I thought it was nice. I thought in a two episodes, the last two episodes, with a lot of emotional, heavy downers, um, it was nice to have this little bit of light at the end of it. Okay, well, before you tell me your theory on where we're going to go next in season four, we see McLaren in the tower september 11th 2001 marcy and david in the bus that's got to be 2017 right or 2015 or 16 or whatever it's supposed to be so good point i didn't think about that right right so at this point mclaren's you know 60 65 years old yeah or so let's let's say 55 let's it's not. Oh, it's not be too harsh. Got to be Eric McCormick's got to be forty-five <laughs> in real life. But he can play thirty-five. I think solidly. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> He's a good-looking man. He's a good-looking guy. Absolutely. All right. All right. So, what's your uh, theory on where we go for okay. season four? Well, so when I thought there might be a season four, I had two thoughts. The first one was that. Everyone is still going to come back. The future's still a mess, and that we'd get, you know, Philip and Carly and Trevor get sent back just as they had the first time around, except maybe with some modifications or maybe different travelers so that the same people get, you know, travelers sent into them. But different travelers. So okay. their personalities would be different, right? Okay. McLaren is going to be an older gentleman now. Okay. And probably not up to the maybe the physical toll of missions. Uh, and then, you know, so that was kind of like my first thought. Uh, my second thought is just completely new actors, new travelers, everything. Same scenario the future is totally screwed we need to fix it but a different team now different travelers different actors okay i don't like that but go ahead yeah so i mean i want some continuity (laughs) right um so but you know but it might be just boom this story like you know there could be like true detective you know each season totally new travelers and at the end of it we just reset the whole thing so it goes back and stops zero zero one and uh we start all over again i don't like well that you know all, in, in version one i mean you know as you make the case we certainly could see carly and jeff together in an abusive relationship and and we could see nesta cooper the actress that plays carly shannon see her back and the same thing with uh 
Trevor, same thing with uh, Philip. Obviously, McLaren's going to be an older gentleman. Uh, what I'd love to see there is you know, maybe in the opening episode, he kind of puts the team together, and then Eric McCormick just goes behind the scenes and directs a bunch of episodes, maybe writes some episodes, yeah, right. and, 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 and you know because he, he was an executive producer on this. How you fit Mackenzie Porter and Patrick Gilmore, Marcy and David, into the mix – I'm not sure, but hey, that's what great writers do. You know, I mean, they're such great characters. Even so the hack writers I don't, do that. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so, getting back to the, to, you know, the the overall scope of what it is we've just seen, I I think we have to look at the fact that the timeline we've just spent three seasons watching has just been erased. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. except for. McLaren, who, who's gone back, and everybody else is starting fresh. It's uh, it's as if it never happened. And on the one hand, that feels like a cheat, but because it was handled so adroitly, I I'm I'm you know I think most of us are okay with that. And and, yeah. and look, it is a time travel show. I mean, right? But yeah, uh, I always so, like to so, think uh, at some level that I mean, obviously, like. Uh, I, he he leaves Cat in the hands of this painter guy who, you know, is two hours late on her birthday. Um, you know, I just get this feeling like in some – even though Mac backs off and says, give the guy another chance, that she gives him another chance. And then she has to give him another chance. And finally, she's just had it with this loser and she dumps him. And then she's at a, a – you know, she's out one night in Seattle and she runs ac- across Grant. Like, hey, did I, don't I know you? And then, boom, he gets, gets to start with Cat from square one. And then they get to well, have see, that my, future that Philip saw. Well, see, my perspective on that is that he has lived Catherine evolving in their relationship. And as he clearly changed, as he was clearly not the grant that she spent the last 10 years of her life with, she changed as well. And she, of course, at the end just says, no, just get out. I packed your stuff. You only wear a third of your wardrobe anyway, get out. And when he goes back and he meets her, you know, uh, on the, uh, the waterfront, in the past and he tells her i forget his exact words but he tells her you need to tell him you need to essentially take control here so that while this guy might try to do the same irresponsible behaviors that he's been doing with her it's almost like he knows she's got it in her and that he's maybe that little push that says no you need to be more assertive in your relationship if you want it to work. Right. But so you certainly were with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, all right. So anything else before we listen to Fred's feedback? Well, the one thing we haven't really talked about is what we said we knew was going to happen with this Carly beating the piss out of that, oh. her next door neighbor, which really shows the danger of heavy metal music. My parents were right. Heavy metal music <laughs> causes violence. This is clearly oh. an indicator of that. But you know, the only thing about it is it's it doesn't really go anywhere. And in the end, it was it could have just as easily been cut out. 
Uh, she beats the guy up and that's it. You know? Right. Like we get that and- she's on the edge and she's frustrated. And this is, we know this has been brewing the first minute she saw the guy. But um, it, I don't think it was it was completely necessary, though, albeit a little satisfying. How about in season four, instead of Carly Shannon, the Traveler takes over the body of that girl uh, because without Carly there to protect her. Right. All right. What else? But there's no season four, so we, we're just torturing know, ourselves here. All right. What else you got? So I, I was, I actually have to admit, I was wondering why did he have to be at, in that office on September 11th, 2001. But then you, you mentioned it because 001 was sent back as a test case. He sends the email back saying it worked and that he was supposed to die. So that's the only time that he knows he's going to be able to communicate with the director. Right now, we could have you just, know, one I of the things. Know, it seems like there's other ways he could have gotten a message out. You know, like typed up, like he could have done a blog. Hey, internet, this is traveler. Blah blah blah. Hey, director, don't send 001 back. I don't want to be in the twin towers on September 11th, so I'm putting this on the internet now because I know that you will see it right right well see and that's one of the things that was mentioned uh, again i don't remember where i read it that that people were arguing over why would he think that the director is going to see that email and my response would be why would you think he wouldn't i mean i don't but i plenty of people have their emails set up that it sends an immediate alert to their phone or their tablet or their computer every time an email comes in their inbox so um you know he he understood the director was expecting an email from a specific ip address and a specific computer and that's the one he used so why wouldn't the director get it right i just i just feel like there's probably other ways he could have delivered the message earlier you know i don't know well, I, I know what you're saying because of the whole idea of using social media to create these. But but again, 2001, what social media do we really have? I mean, there was no Twitter. I don't think Facebook was in 2001. No. Was yet. it MySpace, maybe? Yeah, for, I don't even know. <laughs> but it's before my time. Right. So, or right, after what else it. you got? After. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think well just one thing like 001 is really like not a good undercover type guy like like you know he goes up and, and asks Trevor like hey what's that implant like he has no idea if Jeff knows about the implant or not so like if he did Trevor would be like dude I just told you yesterday what it was in fact you helped put this thing in my head what the hell? Who are you? You know, like he would—he could have potentially blown the whole thing wide open by asking a bunch of stupid questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which then I guess goes back to when we knew him as Vincent Ingram, who was basically a recluse and stayed away. And and, and as you said, now that he's out and about in the world, he—it's he, almost like he's lost his touch. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Um. 
Oh, just so you, we, I mean, obviously Mackenzie Porter, incredible acting job here. Her nomination for that award is so well-deserved. The, the thing that really kind of did for me was when she's obviously in complete grief. Um, Jeff 001 walks into that little room where she's sitting and they say, they see he's bleeding and she gets up like, okay, I'll get it. He's like, no, no, no. She's like, no, come here. You know, like, so despite her intense grief and probably her desire, well, part of it maybe to thinking about committing suicide, the other part desire just to like go home and sleep and try to shut out this whole world. She still takes the time to fulfill her role as, as a doctor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's not to, and I know you didn't intend this by any stretch, but all of the acting is just so good Yeah, across the board. Right. Well, she, her, she, and, she obviously just sticks out. Oh no, no, I know. Right. And, and, and granted you could argue, well, her character had the opportunity. Okay. Whatever. She delivered, you know, they, they, they threw her the ball Yeah, and she nailed a three. Um, but what I also loved about that scene is that Boyd sees what's going on and goes in and says, no, I got this. Yeah. And Boyd is just, you know, just one of those unsung yeah. hero type characters that just really, uh, just really great. Yeah. Characters. Unsung but hottie. Anyway. Yep. All right. What else? Well, Tesla got popped. That happened. Yeah, he did. Um, of course, everyone. So, some there was a pretty significant body count at the end of this episode. So, um, you know, like I mean, not to give too much because, like, we, we talked a lot, but just that the um, Yates's attempt to get the information about uh, to find out what uh, Protocol Omega was by pretending that uh, you know the kid was delivering the message and that that uh, older guy was like the, the, the director or something like that. I can't remember, what, but you know, yeah. well, you know what, that, that what struck me there and okay. I oh, understand oh, oh, that one. That everything he, he was trying to pretend he was, Oh, one. I'm sorry. Right. But everything is falling apart, but the kid delivers the message and then just walks away. And the reality is, and we've seen this how many times, the kid delivers the message and then is suddenly like, like where am I? Completely disoriented. Right. That's why Carly and hits the yet, BS button right away on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but they, they came around. They, they, yeah. you know. Uh, Yates, is this you? Yeah. <laughs> that's classic. It's good. So, yep. I think that's uh, probably about it for me. Okay. Well, you know, that's a great episode. And, uh, well, why don't, why don't we jump in and hear what Fred has to say about this final episode of Travelers. So here's Fred from the Netherlands. Travelers program one, as we call it, is complete. Hey, Hoodle. Oh, this is, this is Fred. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the series and season three finale of Travelers. I'm going to divide my audio feedback in two parts. Yesterday, I watched episode 9, and just now I watched episode 10, so the finale. And I will give a first impression here, and then later on, I will rewatch it next week and give then my perhaps proper feedback. People said it was a 
more or less satisfying and um i not fully agree it has a kind of ending and it it's it's not leaving us with a tremendous cliffhanger although because i'm not fully understanding everything at the moment so the consciousness of traveler 3468 so grant mclaren is brought back much earlier so at the time he met his later wife kate i think they did a nice job making catherine look younger by the way and this is breaking protocol of course because he was not dying at that moment and i understand that that prevent all kinds of things that happened but what I don't understand, for instance, is that we see a little later, we see Marcy meet David in that bus. But I think originally Marcy was a mentally retarded young woman. So that was her original setting, I thought. She doesn't look like that. And what I don't understand is how they would construct season four, if there was a season four. Because all the other ones have to arrive after that. Well, of course, it's possible. So we get a whole story again, actually. Well, Eric McCormack, who plays Grant McLaren and also is a producer on the show, said something like that, and perhaps I understand that now. Travelers Program 1, as we call it, is complete. Travelers Program 1 is complete. So now we start Program 2, something like that. And, of course, we said at the very, very last shot that the Program 1 failed and that Program 2 will begin. So in that sense, it's a new start. But still, do we get it all again? Do we get all these characters again? Trevor, Philip, Marcy, and especially the Marcy part, I don't understand that she is normal when she's sitting next to David. Okay, that was the first impression and my confusion. So I will watch it again and perhaps I get some of the answers myself. Okay, till next week, to you and to myself. Okay, bye. Okay, I'm back, and this is one week later. So, in the meanwhile, I have watched the finale, and I have listened to your podcast about episode 9, including the... Spoiler Zone. And this was the first time I listened to the Spoiler Zone, and one of the things I got there is that... What you didn't realize, Dave, I didn't realize either, that David actually was killed by an arriving traveler. Because just before he died, he said, Protocol Omega. But what I noticed is that when Jeff visited Marcy and they were talking in her apartment just before they started to fight, he said, he is sorry about David, but he knows how it is because he lost his partner, his wife, as well, by an arriving traveler. Death by traveler. Okay, after rewatching, I have an idea about the Marcy problem I had. So I could imagine that Grant McLaren is taken over by a traveler much earlier, and he lives his life a little bit, and then later on all these other travelers arrive, so that the Marcy that is sitting next to David in that bus is already Traveler 3569, and not the mentally retarded young woman Marcy was. One other thing I want to discuss is something I got from the Episode 9 podcast about the Traveler's names in the future. And then David asks Mac what his real name is in the future. <laughs> 3468. Well, that's a dumb name. 
It's yeah. one of the things we're in, hoping to change in the future. I was thinking about this, and actually, I don't think they all have number names in the future. I only think it's for the travelers or people who are committed to being a traveler. In this episode, we also see Carly and Grant talking in the car about what their lives would have looked like if they wouldn't have committed to the travelers program. Because otherwise, we only have 9,999 human beings in the future because they all have numbers of four figures. So I do think they have names, and but when they are committed to the Travelers Program, they get their number name. But that would mean that they would have an original name in their youth. I do appreciate, by the way, I have a Fred feedback section now, and not only by a slip of the tongue by Wayne, but you uh, announced it as well now, Dave. All right, well, let's listen to Fred's feedback section. But I think you made a little joke out of that, because when you announced it very soft, I heard you laugh in the background. And here you can hear it a little louder. Section. <laughs> okay, what about this storage of information in human DNA? You said several things about it. So he explains to her that the faction's been trying to destroy the historical records, and Fred's going to bring up in, in his feedback the thing about you know how they stored the information you know in the blood bags which was pretty cool i'm i i guess all that stuff's true fred it sounds like with his background would know how much of it is true mm -hmm. possible and here's another one the preeminent question well how do you get this information to the future the blood's uh, transfused into known ancestors of people that survive in the future all right well that sounds good i guess it makes sense <laughs> you know right so right and here is another one now he mentions the system of the archivist and storing data in the dna and he says it was it was nicely explained so fred we're gonna go with your expertise on that one <laughs> i i it sounded cool to me i didn't know how realistic it was and you know maybe it's not but you know again you you say it was cool so we're gonna go with you with that cool, I actually meant that they did explain it and not just left it like a fact or something like that. They tried to explain it. That's what I meant. I found it cool. The technique itself, well, okay. What about storing information in human DNA? On the one side, it could be possible, but probably not as they present it here in the series. If you look at our genes, about 22,000, you're ready for a lecture in genetics here, by the way. If you look at our genes, 22,000 in number, actually a rice plant has 40,000, um, but I will come back to that. It's only 1% of our genome, which means that there is 99% left of non-coding DNA. And in this piece of DNA, people called it, called it or call it the junk DNA, you could store information. A human being has about 3 billion base pairs, so that's the amount of information you can store there. If you look what they store there eh, in this archive, well, you have to use a lot, a lot of humans. I think, well, 3 billion sounds a lot, but it isn't. And actually, 
between these genes, so in this junk DNA, slowly it proves that there is more in this so-called junk DNA than we think. How would you explain that a rice plant has 40,000 genes and we only 22,000? So there are many, many regulatory elements within this junk DNA. And a lot of research is now done looking for those regulatory elements. At the moment, scientists think that about 85% of genetic diseases is caused by mutations within the genes, so within the 1%. But if we really get to know what's in that so-called junk DNA, I think this percentage could change. So storing stuff there as just random information could be possible, partly. But on the other hand, they should have been very, very careful because you can destroy something of which you don't know if it has an influence on the expression of the genes. On the other hand, perhaps in the future, they do know everything that's in the junk DNA and what what the function is. And there is a remainder of real junk DNA where you could store this stuff. And furthermore, storing blood. Well, if you get a blood transfusion, from somebody else. It doesn't mean you get all the DNA suddenly built in your regular DNA. And building it in into your regular DNA is, of course, necessary if you want to transfer it to the next generation. On the other hand, we knew that there were nanites in that blood as well, because those nanites saved David's life. So perhaps in that blood, there is information in the DNA and the nanites have to function to build it into the regular DNA of the people so that they can transfer it to the next generation. And not only having that DNA in your bloodstream, but it has to get some in some way to your gonads, so going to the sperm and the egg cells for transfer to the next generation. So, well, okay. Okay, so that was a mini lecture genetics. If you have any questions left, You always can ask. Okay, that was the end of Travelers. And what about podcasting about a new series? You said... All right, Fred. um, He brings up some suggestions for what we might do after Hill House. One of the things that Wayne and I have talked about and that we agree on, and we're not going to mention any specifics tonight, but we really want to do something that neither of us has seen. And... I have to say, I appreciate that a lot. Although you're very, very professional in not spoiling stuff and having the discussions as if you wouldn't have seen it. But nevertheless, I think when you really haven't watched it, it's still a little more spontaneous. And I think your thoughts are more real and more going in all kinds of directions, just like the listeners. So, no binging then, Wayne. I trust you fully to pick a nice series, and probably I will follow. Actually, I'm obliged to follow, having a Fred's feedback section now. Greets, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. Looking forward to the last three episodes of Hunting of Hill House, but actually I'm much more looking forward to a next season of Dark. And I think we agree on this because you said something like it in the last podcast. Bye-bye. 
All right. Now, Fred's feedback, and he, you know, apologizes for its length, but as I mentioned to him during the week, yeah, (laughs) we've got no spoiler zone, you know, it's the end of the spoil at this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he mentions not necessarily being satisfied with the end and, uh, you know, perhaps not exactly knowing what to make of the Marcy David scene. Well, hopefully we've kind of talked through that, Fred, with you. And I I think both of us are are on board and, and, you know, about, you know, we've talked about how a season four would be constructed. He mentions David is killed by an arriving traveler. And I can't remember if you mentioned that last time. It's something I didn't pick up yeah. on. But, you know, any anytime a messenger goes into an adult, the adult dies. Right. But it's not is, like a traveler per se. It's just right, a message. Right. It's a messenger. But that kids can handle it, but adults can't. Right, right. And we saw um, with the kid a couple episodes ago, if if they have to maintain the message for too long then that could have also uh, deleterious effects on him as well. Right, right. Now, now Fred does mention, you know, he, he realizes that this is not the mentally challenged Marcy, and we, we get that right away, and that, of course, without 001. Um, and, and then, yeah, but, but uh, certainly I was glad Fred addressed the genetics issue yeah. <laughs> as he said a genetics lecture uh i find that stuff fascinating i mean oh, most of it's that was awesome o- over my head but right uh, i but i i did but, understand for the most part what, what fred was talking about which kind of i think when we first brought up this whole issue of transferring information through the blood i think we both kind of hit the bs button on that a little bit. Yeah. Now, obviously, you could... Yeah, and he addresses Yeah, that. you could go back and prove me wrong, but I'm pretty sure we both were just like, uh, I don't know about that. You know, because the, when they first did it, they didn't explain it really well. So maybe that was our doubt there. But but yeah, especially as Fred describe, or explains it, it's like, it's like a really crap idea. Like, I don't know why that yeah. they decide that was what they were going to come well, up with. It's a big way of storing information and passing it on to the to to the director when they could like i said they could just put it in a facebook post and it would make it to the director all the same right well i yeah your your point's well taken i mean there's no question about that uh, like i just don't understand guess, it. it's, it's like literally like all these people are like bond villains trying to come up with these super complex ways of you know like let's just let's go with Occam's razor here people simplest one right Right. And, and look, time travel, by definition, gets complicated in, in these kinds of situations. So uh, on the one hand, do the writers really want to add another complication? It's just, here's what we're saying happened. Just buy into it. We're like, okay, we will. Right. But yeah, sometimes you can't. And, and again, it's great to have Fred to to uh, shed some light on you know, the viability of this or lack of. There's absolutely something to that because like, I mean, we both are big Doctor Who fans and how many times a Doctor Who does he come up or she, um, my bad, she uh, come up with some crazy convoluted, you know, solution that apparently has some kind of science to it. But 
when they explain it, we just go, it all goes like, shoot, yeah, right over your head. It's not meant to be analyzed and taken like as actual science. It's just for the audience to say, okay, there's some scientific, sciencey type thing that just explained what he's doing. I'm good. Right. I mean, time travel's real, but right. we want you to nitpick this. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Except the fact that people can, you know, go back in time and take over their consciousness of another person. But let's let's really talk about whether DNA can be passed through blood, right? Right. We draw the line. Yeah, that's there. you've taken a step too far, buddy. All right. All right. Now, <clears throat> you know, Fred brings up the fact that we're going to go back to Hill House and likes the fact that we decided to address something we haven't seen before. And you heard him tell you, right? No binging, Wayne. Listen, Fred and everyone out there, all five of you, um, I make no promises. When I start watching a show, it's it's tough for me. If, it's, if I don't have to watch it a week at a time, then I probably won't. I will use the, what little discipline I have. I will use all of it to try not to binge the next show, but I make zero promises. All right. And then uh, he brings up Dark, and you and I have talked about something that we're not going to mention the details. We got a little treat for you guys after we're finished with Hill House, and hopefully you like it. Uh, It's going to be fun for us, and hopefully it'll be fun and intellectually stimulating for you guys. But, uh, Fred, thank you for the feedback, and... Uh, all right, all right. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there. Okay. We've been talking for quite a while, uh, not not as long as we did on the dark finale, but uh, I think we you know, were able to streamline this one a little more. But that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about you know our theories on what it is we just saw, and, and certainly you can send it as feedback or post it on the facebook page there's been some great discussions about the last couple episodes there as well um let us know what you think about hill house anything else going on in genre tv encourage you to join the facebook group so you can get into those discussions emails can go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next week and return with Season 1, Episode 8 of The Haunting of Hill House, titled Witness Marks. But until then... You know, Dave, after this, they're never going to trust a word we say. <laughs>